Our Old Testament reading for today is from Isaiah 57, verses 14 through 19. And it will be said, Build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. For this is what the height and the lofty one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I will not accuse forever, nor will I always be angry, for then the spirit of man would grow faint before me, the breath of man that I have created. I was enraged by his sinful greed. I punished him and hid my face in anger, yet he kept on in his willful ways. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will guide him and restore him, comfort him, creating praise on the lips of the mourners in Israel. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. Well, good morning. It's good to be up here again. We'll see if number two is any better than number one. Uh, a couple of thank yous this morning that I want to say before we get into God's Word in the sermon this morning. First of all, I want to thank the church and especially uh, the, the ladies who helped do the reception for the High Plains Choral uh, Society. Thank you guys for being there. It meant so much for us, for the, the gifts and the, the pleasure to sing at Westminster. And it was just a beautiful concert. And the reception was so good. Thank you to all that came and helped. And also to Kelly Harder. It's great to have Kelly back. Give you guys a round of applause for the <laughs> Kelly Harder. It's so nice to have her conducting. I feel so much better facing that direction than I do this direction, but we're going to make it work this morning. Um, so Will asked me if uh, I would like to preach, and I said, you bet if you need me, I'm more than willing to help out uh, whichever way I can. I said, do you need me to stay in Ruth? Or, and he goes, dealer's choice. And I thought, okay, great. The, the last time we were working through a book, and I think I had uh, social media, was what, and I was like, okay. you know. And so uh, when he said dealer's choice, I was like, Great. I had a couple ideas that I was working through during the week and some things that I wanted to do uh, that I thought I wanted to do. Uh, but then uh, we found out that we had an in-service with CISD, so we had to go and watch um, the speaker and, and come together as an entire district and watch this in-service. And so since we are in church, I do have some things that I need to confess. I know there are several educators out here, and I, and I know in the corporate world it's probably the same way too. I'm not always the biggest fan of in-services because I've been teaching for 23 years and I need, to, I need to bring out some of my faults this morning and confess them to you because my wife is here. Where is Heather? There she is. We're driving in from Canyon. Uh, the in-service was at Hillside um, Church and uh, we were there all morning. So we're driving in the morning. It's a beautiful morning. The uh, sun was coming up and I had the worst attitude the whole way down. I was like, and you guys have probably said the same things, maybe felt the same way. I was like, this is, this is dumb. I've been teaching for 23 years. I do not need to go listen to some person tell me why I teach. I'm very passionate about what I do. Uh, my kids that sing with me here will tell you, I, I have no problem being passionate in the classroom and, and excited about what we're doing. I don't need to listen to some guy try to tell me that I'm okay and, and give thumbs up. And so I always complained the whole way down. I was like, this is for first-year teachers, and these are brand-new people who don't have any experience. We should be able to clap out. 
Give me a test, and I will pass it right now, and I can not sit for three hours or four hours through an end service. So I need to apologize to my family here at Westminster. I, I was not being the best example of Christ's love on that morning. Um, when we got there, we had some things that they did that just reinforced my bad attitude. There were some silly games. <laughs> and it's fun, and these guys are doing a great job, but the whole time, I, I have got some stinking thinking going on in my brain. Um, so then they introduced the speaker. His, his name is um, Manny Scott. And I don't know if you guys have ever got to see Manny Scott uh, talk or give uh, his speeches. He's an incredible man. So a little bit about uh, Manny is that he was one of the original freedom writers, writers. So uh, back in 2007, they made a movie about this with Hillary Swank. And it's about uh, this inner city school in California with these these kids who've been integrated, and it's a pretty rough situation. And Manny was one of those kids. And so uh, the entire movie centers around this story of these kids that came in, and they, there are black kids and Hispanics and uh, some Asian kids and a, and a couple of white kids. None of them get along. And then this, this white teacher from uh, Orange, California, who was a cheerleader, came to the classroom, very first class she's ever taught. And uh, fairly wealthy, her family was fairly wealthy, but she really had a heart for young people and those that were in danger and needed someone. And so she came, <laughs> Manny, who's a great public speaker, came in and he said she was a cheerleader in Orange, California. So she came in with this dress on and she had a, a string of pearls on at the school and she came in and goes, good morning, kids, <laughs> to this high school group of pretty rough kids. And they were like, oh, what are, what are we doing, you know? And so... Uh, the story that Manny tells is the background before uh, he got to high school, and it's a pretty tragic story. Uh, and as he began to speak, man, the, first of all, the way he presented, he's such a passionate man, and I did a bunch of research on him later that I'm going to share with you guys on, on why all of a sudden I think he and I made this incredible connection because I could sense that spark of Christ in him and just the things that he was saying. I could just tell that there was this, this underlying, because it was a school event, not a church event, I could just tell that he was preaching a little bit without kind of doing what we do in the classroom sometimes. We preach a little bit without preaching. Um, so uh, Manny's background. So he was uh, born in California. Uh, his real dad uh, it was in prison before he could remember, and he's still in prison today. Manny says he's probably talked to his dad for a total of 15 hours his entire life. Um, he recounts a story with his mother and stepfather, uh, having a fight outside of their apartment whenever he, before he got to fifth grade. And it's a tragic story. He, he was at home watching uh, cartoons because his mom and his dad would go out every single night and, and club and party and do all these things. And he could hear his mom yelling in the hallway um, late at night. And he came out. And then uh, by the time he came out to the, the hallway in front of their apartment, which is on a second or third floor, uh, his stepdad had had his mom by the hair. And as soon as Manny came around, because she couldn't say, Manny, help me, Manny, help me, he threw her through a plate glass window right in front of him. It's pretty sad. Um, so he's out there, and his mom's bleeding, and a, and a piece of glass had, had hit her in the neck, and she was uh, bleeding pretty bad. And he came out, and he jumped on the guy's back. But he's a little fourth-grade kid, and he grabbed him by the hair, and he threw him off the balcony. Just... That's how we started morning. I was like, oh, I was really mistaken because I had such a bad attitude. And here's this guy pouring his heart out uh, to a bunch of teachers in Amarillo, Texas. So um, Manny gets a little older. Uh, his mom and that dad stay together. He lived in 26 different places by the time he reached his freshman year in high school. Um, Manny 
would miss as many as 90 days of school a year. And we have some of those kids too. Then, and it's just, it's so hard to reach them when they're not there. He said, I had a 0.6 GPA the first semester of my freshman year of high school, and he didn't care. His best friend that was in school with him, the, the one kid that he made a connection with, uh, was the hope of all of them. Straight A student, honor student, had been doing great. They, they all, teachers loved him. The guy had been accepted, accepted into college as a freshman. Most of them wouldn't even graduate high school, and this young man had got an acceptance letter into college as a freshman. Just a stellar kid. Uh, as he was on his way to Manny's house, he was murdered. Just a series of horrible events in, in Manny's life. <clears throat> and so Manny went to go see him in the uh, funeral home, and his mangled body, and I won't go into the, the details, Manny did a little bit, it's just, it's just horrific. This young kid that had all this hope was just torn away because of skin color. So Manny goes to this funeral home to see his friend. He leaves. He immediately drops out of school. He wants nothing to do with school because he knew if he can't make it out, ain't none of us making it out. We're done. There's not a single guy here that could do what his friend did. And so he was finished. He gave up on school. He gave up on his home life. He, he did some horrible things. He started stealing. He started stealing a car. His first car that he stole, he said, I think he was 11 or 14, he stole his first car. Um, it was just, he had given up hope. He had given up faith. He had given up on life altogether. So we're sitting on a park bench uh, one evening on a school night, and this huge man comes out of nowhere. He said he was six foot eight. And he sat down next to me. He said, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but today might be the last day of your life. What are you doing out here on a school night? And I said, I don't go to school anymore. And he said, well, well not. He says, there's no, there's no need for me to be in school. It doesn't matter anymore. And again, he said, but today might be the last day of your life. Let me tell you where there might be some hope. So this, this man shared with Manny um, the story of Christ and the story of God who loved him, who offered him a way to find life, not without pain, but to deal with the pain. And if Manny would only give his life to Christ, God has a plan for you, even though you don't have a plan for yourself, the man said. Something much bigger than anything you can imagine is here for you. So Manny's heart pounding because he was so broken. It's exactly what needed to happen at that time. said, what do I have to do? And the two men prayed together. And that prayer marked the beginning of Manny's transformation to Christ. Manny said today the man, his name is Mark Stokes, connected with Manny with the pastor of a local church, and that's where Manny began to learn about the Christian walk. And the interesting thing about Mark Stokes is he's a crack addict. And he was asleep behind a dumpster one day, and he woke up to a bunch of people that were just loving on him. And what had happened is he had OD'd behind this dumpster. This church that ministers to homeless people went and found him, brought him to a halfway house, helped him recover. And by the time he came to and realized what was going on, he was already surrounded by people who loved him, even though they had no idea who he was. And so they loved him through this very hard time. He got to know Christ, got involved with this church, started doing some outreach himself. As he was walking home one day between the halfway house and a meeting is when he saw Manny sitting on that park bench, contemplating whether he wanted to be alive anymore. Stories like that are just, they, they hit me so hard because it's God working through some unbelievably bad situations. 
and here I was complaining that I had to go to an end service. You know, perspective. Um, so Manny gets to high school. So this is where, where this movie begins. And they condense five years worth of, of incredible work into this little two-hour movie that Heather and I watched. I had never seen it. Uh, amazing movie, very inspirational. Um, so with encouragement from this teacher, Aaron Gruel, uh, Manny began to apply himself in class. Uh, and her whole thing was, I can't teach these kids if I don't first heal them and where they're at, and what they're doing, and why they're doing it, and how do we find these kids where they're at, and and make that the education. And then from there, we can work on everything else. Perspective. It's an amazing story. So Mandy ended up uh, graduating with a 3.7, which is pretty incredible, coming from a 0.6 GPA. And uh, he told us that um, he probably could have got there. He probably, because he did a bunch of makeup work to make up those grades that he had missed, he said, I probably could have been. He said, but I did get a touch of senioritis my senior year. I think we can forgive him for some senioritis after what he went through. So Manny, Manny's story was touching as an educator, but one of the things that he said uh, that really struck me as he was sharing this, and the whole story about him coming to Christ, I looked that up later. I was so intrigued by his story, and I could tell there were some, some things in there. So when we got home uh, that night and the next day, I started doing a bunch of research on, on him and his life, and I, and I found out his, he got two degrees. Oh, by the way, so he was accepted into UC Berkeley. Yeah. And he goes and he gets two degrees, two bachelor's degrees, back-to-back. He, he, one, one of them was for him, and the other one he got for his, his, his friend. He said, I owed him a degree. His second degree is a Master's of Divinity from Trinity. He fell in love with Jesus and went and got that um, secondary degree because he just he wanted to preach. He wanted to be part of uh, people's lives, which I thought was uh, pretty incredible. But one of the things he said that really struck me was that God reached down to me and he said, listen, listen. You've got to listen. You're so angry. You're so upset about all these things that happened to you. We have to listen. And he mentioned that in order for teachers to reach the kind of students to him, that they had to heal them first or they're never going to hear you. doesn't matter what you have to say. You could be a brilliant educator with all the right knowledge. If you throw it out there and they don't listen, it won't be received. They had to be healed in order to trust, to learn, to accept, and to be inspired. Without that, there was just no way to break through. That landed on me like a ton of bricks as I was sitting there that morning. I began to think about Jesus and his ministry. There were so many correlations as he was saying that. I was, just, I was going back to scripture and thinking about the way that Jesus approached early on in his ministry individuals, not when he was preaching at, at huge things, but individuals. It was always this healing that opened up paths to righteousness. How Jesus was living out that concept and how Manny was talking about that's the concept that needs to happen in the classroom. So I was really struck and I was really drawn to this, um, the scripture in Mark. So before we read that, can we say a little prayer for God's blessing upon this reading of his word? Heavenly Father, help me detail what you want said in the scripture, Heavenly Father. The things that have struck so many over so many years, let it strike us this morning, Heavenly Father. Let us be able to listen. Let us be able to hear. Let us be able to be healed this morning and to go out and to do the same for others. May you bless the reading of this word this morning, Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So if you'll turn with me to Mark 7, and we're going to read through verses 32 and 36. If you're using a pew Bible, that's there on 1565. Again, Mark 7, verses 32 through 36. So God's word says this in 32. 
There are some people brought him to a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. After Jesus took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh he said, Epthata, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. The more they did, the more they kept talking, the more he did, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So many things speak to me in this passage. You know, back in the time, there was no deaf community. We do a, a, a really good job nowadays. With a, We have ASL at Canaan High School, and they do a lot of e- outreach. There's a deaf church. Uh, they have a lot of deaf readings at Barnes & Noble. They do some really neat things for our deaf community. In this time, there would have been no deaf community. To be deaf and mute would have been worse to be a leper. Lepers had communities where they, could, they, would, now they were ostracized, but they were with each other. The deaf had no one. The mute had no one. So the first thing that struck me as I was reading this was that the very first verse that we have in 32, even though he is truly alone, some people had hope and faith enough and brought him face to face with Jesus. This is early on in his ministry. This is, this is not in front of crowds. They had heard what Jesus had done and they had enough faith to go and grab this man and to bring him face to face with Jesus. Unseen faith. Untested faith. That's amazing. Can you imagine that? It's amazing. The courage and trust that you have to have in someone that hasn't, you haven't even seen work to be able to walk up there and put him faith to faith knowing that he's going to be healed. Unbelievable. And here I was complaining about an in-service, right? Another thing that's striking is that Jesus took him aside. If you notice right there in verse 33, Jesus took him aside away from the crowd. Why would he do that? If he could just start healing all these people and showing, look at the power that I have. Come to me and see what this is. The ministry would just explode. Why take this man aside, away from the crowd to do these things? If he's the king of kings, the great healer, the one who breaks chains, why do it in secret? He was here to build this new covenant, to fulfill the law, not to follow the law, to make things relational, personal. I'm here to touch, to physically touch. Oh, that struck me so much. Talking about manning those things and what it took for him, that teacher to break through to those kids as individuals, not as races, not as groups, but as young people. Here's Jesus pulling this man away and talking him one-on-one, face-to-face, away from the crowd. Jesus would not use this man as a tool, as a podium. He would make all things personal. He's stoop down to where we are to find us, that we're laying down in the muck, we're deaf, we're mute, we can't even hear his words because we're so burdened by this world, and here he is pulling him aside and saying, be opened. How many of us are deaf to his word? How many of us are mute? We're scared to talk about it. How many of us are angry, lost, alone? Jesus, who could call down a multitude of angels, he was there at the beginning of the creation. He was the word. He was with God that was spoken into being. And he talking to a deaf, mute man all by himself away from the crowd. Oh, it's amazing. I love this verse. So God chose to touch 
The next thing that stuck me, if you guys will look right there, um, in verse 33, took him aside, away from the crowd. Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Why? The one who could speak the creation into being with a word, why would he need to touch somebody? He could speak it and it could be done immediately. Why touch? He spit upon his hands and reached down and touched the man's tongue into his mouth. Now, in a post-COVID world, <laughs> right, and I'm a hugger, I'm a, like, I, I love people, and I'm a, I'm a guy, but, but he, as I was reading, I was like, what? That, that's invasive. And I think that's the point, right? I think that's the point. The king of kings reached down to touch a diseased man's tongue, personally, individually, away from the crowd. That's the God who loves me. That's the God who loves you. That's huge. Um, to not be used as a tool. He made this thing so personal to reach down and touch. To touch. It, that, that speaks to me so much as an educator. It speaks to me so much as a father, as a grandfather, as a, as a member of this church. To touch, we do so many things and we do so many things well, but sometimes it's so impersonal. And for me, mine's the opposite. So much of what I do is in the public eye. I almost always have an audience for almost everything that I do. And it's very easy to get uh, conceited and to be self-centered because everyone's always patting you on the back and everyone always wants you to, to lead and to be a part of something. And every time somebody asks me to be something, that's usually, do you mind taking the whole thing? You know, and it's fine. It, I, I love doing it. it it's, it's one of my gifts, so I don't mind doing it. So Jesus doing this alone, away from the crowd, and making it so personal, just it speaks to me because sometimes I don't think I do as good a job of that. So Jesus did this healing in stages. The first thing he did was he healed this man's ears so that he could hear, and then the tongue. And I thought that's another thing that struck me. So why the ears first? And then the tongue. The man had to hear. I think Jesus wanted him to hear the words, be opened. Be opened. I think he could have done it all. I know he could have done it all in an instant. But he chose to heal these man's ears and then to reach down so that he could hear him say, be opened. It's amazing to me. He had to hear those words for him to be fully healed. He had to be invaded by Christ's touch to speak. So then we get to ourselves and how do these verses apply and how does it apply as we go out into the world this week, my friends? So again, I ask, are you hurt? Have you been hurt by others that you loved? Do you know those that are hurt? Do you know those who are deaf? Not deaf to sounds, but deaf to God's words, deaf to God's love because they've been so calloused by their conditions, by their world by how they've been hurt by a stepfather, how they've been hurt by a school, how they've been hurt by the church. So what will we do? I think we have to do the same thing. If we would just reach out and begin to touch those around us to physically have that relationship away from the crowd and for them to hear God say, be opened I think it would change the entire thing that we do. It would change the way we do this outreach as we look how we're going to grow and go out into the world. What if we did that with the idea of being opened? 
So we can't recoil. We can't shrink back because of that invasive idea. We have to be opened. We have to be opened. Will we reject his hands? Will we remain speechless? Will we be the folks that walk by the needy and refuse to bring them to God? All it took was a couple of people to pick him up and walk him to be face-to-face for that man to be healed. Will we allow ourselves to be open to his healing? Will we allow ourselves for Christ to lay his hand upon all parts of our bodies and our souls to be healed so that we can speak? Will we pick up those in need and do the same for them? You may think this morning that maybe you're too broken, I'm too far gone. Brandon, you don't know what I've been through. I don't. You're right. You're right. But Jesus does. He knew this man intimately before he was ever born. You're right, I don't. But I know who does. I am not here to heal this morning. I'm not here to convince you of anything. I'm here to tell you that there is a man who does. And he's here this morning. Our God is alive. And he's here. He's ready. He's ready to speak to you to be opened and to reach down and touch you and to say, be healed. He's here to encourage you to do the same for that, to be that person that picks up someone and walks them face to face to be with Jesus. He's here this morning to do just that. Manny Scott was brought to Christ through a crack addict. So what is our excuse? This guy was living behind a dumpster two days before he brought Manny to Christ and introduced him, picked him up and walked him face to face with Jesus. What is our excuse? It'd be really hard to come up with one that's valid. Perspective. I was complaining about an in-service. Jesus Christ came to heal. He said, if you are weary, come unto me and I will give you rest. To pull us aside and be quiet away from the brokenness of the world and to touch us with his own hands and say, be open. And so I ask you this question, will you be open today? Will you allow others to be open today, to walk them to be face-to-face with Christ? If we can do that, then we've accomplished what he asked us to do this morning, to come together, to be a family, to love on each other, to touch each other, to hold each other, and to go out those doors this week and to bring others face-to-face with Christ and for yourself to be open and to be healed. Those verses spoke so strongly to me, and it's because I saw that image of Christ in Manny Scott, and I'm so glad that I went to that Ed service. So I'm going to complain less. Heather, you can hold me to it. And I'm going to be more open. I think if we all did that, we could change Amarillo, we could change Westminster, we could change this world if we would all just come together and be open. So let us come home here to Westminster. Let us be healed, and let's take both those things out to the world this week. Amen? Amen. Amen. I left my bulletin. What is the next hymn? 276. Let's all stand together for greatest thy faithfulness.